Welcome to episode four of Project 39. Our guest today is Bob Hicks. Bob's been the lead pastor at North Madison Christian Church since 1998. We had a great conversation and covered a lot of topics. Bob tells us about North Madison's various outreach programs, takes us through the sermon writing process, and he lets us in on what his dream job would be if he hadn't gone into ministry. This episode's a little bit longer than usual, but we cover a lot of ground. I'd uh, be glad to hear what you think. Feel free to comment on Project 39's Facebook page or on our website. I'll include links in the show notes. Enjoy the show. All right, Bob Hicks, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Brian. First of all, thank you for allowing me to be a part of your first 10 of uh, <laughs> your podcast. I'm very humbled and honored to be asked, and congratulations on getting it started, and I think this Thank is you. really good. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Uh, so for people who may not be familiar, would you just take a few minutes to tell us about yourself? You're not originally from Madison, right? I am not. Uh, originally, I grew up in Florence, Kentucky, which is just down the river a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, grew up there uh, and graduated from Boone County High School. I don't know if there's any other Rebels. I guess it's still called Rebels. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah, changed the right. mascot, I think, but uh, graduated there in 79 and uh, headed, uh, that was even before the Florence Mall uh, uh, was there. Oh, yeah. and wow. In fact, my first job was at the Florence Mall, uh, kind of dating myself there, but went down uh, to uh, Johnson uh, Bible College, now Johnson University in Knoxville, Tennessee, okay. yep. and graduated there in 83. Uh, left there. First ministry was a youth ministry in Rusheville, Indiana, which is just west of Kokomo. Oh, uh, and that's that. the, uh, yeah, if, if you know, if you remember any of the major tornadoes that came through, uh, Rusheville mm-hmm. was one of the, the towns that just kind of got decimated. Okay. And uh, so uh, met my wife, Kim, there. Uh, she had just graduated from high school, and uh, we started dating, and our daughter, Sarah, was born there, which was really okay. exciting, and then went out to Pennsylvania for a while, and uh, my son, Brandon, was born there in Latrobe. Uh, we were actually in Greensburg, but uh, in famous Latrobe, Pennsylvania, where Arnie Palmer is from, oh, okay. if you're a golfer, yeah. and then also Mr. Rogers is <laughs> from there. <laughs> wow, they got so, two from there, huh? uh, From there. We went to Cincinnati, and then Jacob, our youngest then, was born there and uh, was a youth minister there. Then we got the call to come uh, to, to Madison, which was really cool, in 1998, and have been here ever since. Love it. Uh, didn't know much about Madison, but yet I had been here one time before. Oh, yeah. I brought you um, here. We were, our camp, our, our church camp is in Carrollton. Uh, it's called Happy Hills uh, mm-hmm. Christian Camp. And uh, when we would normally go to Butler State Park for mm-hmm. swimming about twice a week, well, they had drained the lake. And we went to, of all places, Crystal Beach. Oh, wow. <laughs> And so I'd never been to Madison before, and now I've been here, so now I'm here. So we've been here uh, going on then 23 years. So so all those moves to, what did you say, Rusa? Rusheville. Rusheville, and then Pennsylvania, were those all... 
in the same line of works, it was yes. the same pastoring? Everything was same was pastoring. Uh, uh, all of it was youth ministry, okay. uh, working with young people. And uh, then in Cincinnati, we had a, uh, a minister or pastor uh, resign. And so they asked me to kind of do interim. And man, I just loved doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think felt the, felt the pull on my heart. Uh, God saying, hey, uh, I'm not calling it a step up. I'm just calling it maybe a step over and a difference because I don't I don't see ministry uh, like youth ministry or or children's ministry and then you step up. No, I think it's a step over because we all are important. Well, is the there kingdom. a is there an expiration date on being a, a youth minister? I mean, you can't. <laughs> can you really do that in your you know your 40s and 50s? Can you still connect? And... That's a great question. In in some cases, I mean, uh, less Christie is uh, when I was in youth ministry, was that 40, 45, 50-year-old who was remaining yeah. in youth ministry. And he was our guru to go to oh, yeah. <laughs> with questions. And so, yeah, there's always that ability to, to relate. It, it is. It matters, the team that you have around you. Okay. It really matters because that's huge in order for seeing the, uh, the longevity and the generation after generation of ministry take okay. place. So what... What drew you into ministry? I mean, did you know from an early age that this is the the career you wanted to follow? Is this your calling? Great question. Actually, no. When I grew up in Florence, Kentucky, which if you know anything about where the greater Cincinnati airport is, it's not Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati. It's there in uh, Boone County. Uh, So I would watch these airplanes just fly over our house. And I I wanted to be an airline pilot. Oh, yeah. 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 I even took ground school. Uh, you know, started the ground school and everything. Yeah. Uh, but then in my church, the youth minister, he challenged me. He said, hey, Bob, you know, why don't you, I see leadership potential in you. I see what God is doing in your life. Instead of transporting souls from one place to the next on earth, why don't you see about leading and help taking souls from earth to a final destination? And that's heaven. And so uh, he challenged me to go down to Johnson. He graduated from Johnson. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'll do it for a year because I can easily transfer my credits to to wherever. And it was during that year at Johnson that God just said, this is what I want you to do. Okay. Wow. That's that's great. Now, outside of uh, your job, uh, I know you you got a couple of hobbies. You you do some refereeing. I do. Basketball and 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 soccer. soccer. Yes. And that actually, uh, I'm from a family of referees. My dad started refereeing basketball. In fact, his uh, claim to fame, I guess you could say, he refereed with a guy and actually tried out for the NBA uh, as a referee with a guy by the name of Don Murphy. Murphy Doors out of Cincinnati. Um, But dad was one year younger, so they took Don and Don became, uh, oh my goodness, even an assigner for NBA. He just went on. Dad, in that year, they told him to come back. They really appreciated and saw some talent in him. Mm-hmm. But during that year, married my mom, you know, mm-hmm. had had my older brother, and just it just didn't go that Life, direction. Right, but he yeah. stayed. He stayed refereeing uh, some college and some uh, high school. My older brother, he started refereeing. Okay. And my younger brother uh, was a coach. Uh, he played basketball as well. And um, so when I went to when I was in Pennsylvania, 
uh, one of the things that as a youth minister, I always like to come in and eat lunch with kids at school. Mm-hmm. And the um, at that time, they did not like because of some things that were going on in the cafeteria with other churches coming in mm-hmm. and feel like it was bothering the kids or something of that nature. So I, um, I decided to do a roundabout and go, okay, well, I'm going to referee, get okay. to know the athletic directors. And then the athletic directors, I would say, hey, do you mind if I come in and have lunch? And they would say, oh, yeah, I know who Bob is. Come on in. And so that got me in. So I just started loving uh, refereeing basketball. That kind of started it. Mm -hmm. I played soccer at Johnson. So I loved learning the game. And then I loved officiating. And it's stuck ever since. So, so how long have you been refereeing? Uh, oh, my. Since uh, we've been here 23, and it was in 10 years in Cincinnati. So roughly about 45 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was that long. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you always you see the videos online, right, of parents going <laughs> off and coaches going <laughs> off on referees. Have you seen a change uh, from, like, when you started refereeing to today in the, in the behavior of coaches and, and parents and players? <laughs> I have uh, mostly, uh, you've seen it a lot of times in parents uh, because they, uh, you know, the tendency now in our country is we can get angry no matter what. And Mm -hmm. we have the right to get angry. And if things aren't going right, we have the right to get angry. Um, But, you know, that's what I, I... I joke about this. Uh, you know, I do soccer and basketball. I don't do baseball. I don't do volleyball. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is because soccer officials and basketball officials are constantly moving and away. it's much harder <laughs> to hit a moving object. Yeah. <laughs> so once, you know, you get somebody yelling at you, you can move it across to the other side of the field or to the court. But, uh, usually, you know, it's, it's, you know, they've usually had a bad day or whatever. And most of what I've learned in my years of officiating is you do a lot of preventive officiating. Uh, okay. in other words, you talk to them prior to anything and you just, you know, you're able to talk down a, a very, um, potential angry situation and if you do the work beforehand then once a uh, a 50 50 call that doesn't go to somebody Mm -hmm. then they see you more as a person than as a machine that's supposed to be uh, making no mistakes exactly okay that's good um so tell us a little bit about north mass and christian church uh when you've came here it wasn't located where it is now right you That's were over correct. on uh, green road it's on green road uh there on green and marion mm-hmm. uh where right now hilltop or was hilltop but now it's called green road baptist church is uh the church actually started in 1869 as a red brick building beautiful building mm-hmm. uh built there and then in 1974 um the tornado took that building down. Oh, okay. Now, the North Mass and Christian bought it from the Presbyterians because the building itself was built in 1864. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we bought it in 1869. Wow. And so that kind of started it. Uh, they rebuilt there in 75. And then we came in 98 and just kind of basically asked the question, you know, if, if great things could happen here, mm-hmm. if God just really took off, what would we do? Would we need to look around buying property around us? Would we need to be building? Mm-hmm. What would we need to do? Because let's think big. And one of the things I've always told some people about this is that uh, I, when I first came here, I came and we had a revival. From, and a revivalist, the, mes- the title of his message was, What Can a Small Church Do? And that kind of made me angry, Brian. I mean, because 
is the mentality of our people always going to be small? That yeah. we're just, you know, small people can't, you know, small churches, small attendants can't reach and do something for the kingdom. And I'm going, no wonder we're not reaching out to our community because we have a mindset and we're being told it's good to be small, stay small, you know, okay. and I'm like, no, 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 no. So I just said, we just started saying, let's start reaching out to our community. What can we do to be a, a voice in our community that if all of a sudden North Mass Christian Church disappeared, people would notice there would be a hole. So we started working through that process and I just started dreaming. I got a group of dreamers with me and said, what would we need to do? And um, we saw this property out on 62 mm -hmm. and we prayed about it. We said, Lord, what do you want us to do with this? And as we just started to grow and grow, we thought the best stewardship of the finances would be to sell this facility and then to move out there on the 14 acres. Okay. So, yeah, so you guys have seen pretty really phenomenal growth in this area in the last uh, couple decades. But uh, it seems like a lot of the, the lot of churches, especially the mainstream denominations, uh, they've, they've been floundering. They just don't seem to be growing. I mean, I, you, you drive down the road, you don't see a new Methodist church being built. Mm -hmm. You see new community churches being built. Mm -hmm. uh, any ideas on why that is? What's, what's the phenomena there? Why, yeah. why, are, why are the mainstream, the ones that have been around for 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 uh, centuries, why are they struggling so much? It's a great or, question. Or is that even accurate? Are they? Yeah. I, I don't, it's just my perception of what I see. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And a lot of the things in the research that I've been reading and just kind of figuring out, okay, we need to stay true to what God wants us to do and the purpose of the church. I think a lot of times what happens in any organization, especially even in a church, uh, that through the years you begin to lose what the mission and what the purposes of the overall church is mm -hmm. supposed to be. And I think that happens in organizations. There are several books, uh, Jim Collins' Good to Great, uh, a lot of different books even as we you know look at um, uh John Maxwell and his leadership skills mm -hmm. with, with the church. What, you know, why is it that some churches are growing and some churches are not? And I think the key thing is, is have we forgotten our mission? Have we forgotten right. our purpose here in the church? And then are we trying to answer questions that our culture is not asking? Because our culture is asking some pretty mm -hmm. big questions. A lot of people say, well, the spirituality is really low in America. And I'm going, no, it's not. Yeah. Spirituality level of, of America is huge. People are wanting to know. And they're wanting to know the truth. They want to know, you know, what is the the answer to some of the things that are going on in our country? What are some of the things that are much bigger? Uh, we're seeing a new generation that is like, we want to be more involved with something that is significant, mm -hmm. not necessarily something that's going to make me successful, that I'm going to be living the American dream. Well, a lot of times I think what happens is the church is two centuries behind in answering this culture's questions. And one of the things somebody asked me when I first came, uh, they said, Bob, what's, what's one of your goals as far as the church, as far as Christianity? And I said, well, one of the things I'd love to do is bring it into the 19th century. He said, but we're living in the 21st century. And I said, one century at a time, behind, right? one century at a time, <laughs> because it is. And I think a lot of times what happens is you'll see worship services, you'll see preachers, you'll see churches trying to reach out, but they're reaching out with 
to answers they think people are asking the questions of. And it's not. They don't have a they don't have a thumb or a pulse on what's mm-hmm. going on in our culture. And that's that mentality of we're going to be keepers of the aquarium instead of we're going to be fishers of men. Okay. And that whole goal is to always be involved in your culture, not to become like your culture, mm-hmm. but have the true answer. You see, the answer is still the same with Jesus. It's the method in which people need to hear that answer that changes. Okay. So the message changes, but the method doesn't. Okay. Or I take that back. The message doesn't change. The method does change. Okay. Well, one uh, one area that really has seen some some growth is this uh, prosperity gospel, like Joel Osteen, mm-hmm. uh, Creflo Dollar, some of those guys. You usually see them on TV. Mm-hmm. Mega churches, huge. Uh, it's growing. A lot of people uh, following that. But it's like I say, it's been dubbed this prosperity gospel, meaning you're going to get something out of it more than, well, I don't know how to say it without. Yeah, <laughs> without uh, telling your your well, view, well, or belief yeah, system right, <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, so any any thoughts on on this prosperity gospel and and people? Uh, I don't mean to say people like Joel Osteen, not attacking him, right, anything, right, right. But yeah. but but that that line of uh, I don't, theology, if you will, yeah, you don't want to get hate emails, yeah, right? or you don't. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's... I fully understand. <laughs> I fully understand. Well, one of the things that that I truly believe in is obviously the bride of Christ is something that is important, and I will never, you'll never hear me tear down someone, uh, you know, uh, the bride of Christ, mm-hmm. because in doing that and and showing that, I think sometimes you you're you're saying I've got it all. I know the answers. I have everything, right. and I, I I'm the first one to admit I'm still. I don't have all the answers. I'm still going to God. I'm still looking at his word. And one of the things that I think, um, especially in America, um, we have to deal and work through this process of what an American Christian or what American church has, has been given as an opportunity, and yet we have turned it into a result of what we think is our spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one of the things that, um, you know, even as the apostles were asking Jesus, when Jesus said, it's much harder for a rich man to enter to the kingdom of God, and much easier if a camel goes through the eye of a needle. And of course, they're like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. because they saw blessing compared to riches. And when you do that, you're taking out this concept. The richness of heaven is not at all even compared. I can't even compare it to a billion dollars to a penny. There's no comparison to the riches of heaven and compared to the riches of America. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so that we could live comfortably here on earth. Now, granted, I think sometimes that he'll allow us to have that. I mean, and there's great, there's nothing wrong to be, there's no, you should not feel wrong to be blessed with wealth. Mm -hmm. But there is something that is, if scripture over and over says that if you hoard it to yourself, then it will be demanded from you. Okay. But if you give it in order for the kingdom, in order to feed those, you know, to love those who are hurting, to love those who, who, who are struggling, 
you know, not as a handout, not as an ATM, but to lift them up to be closer to Christ. There is a major thing because I think God blesses people with the ability to make wealth, not for them to live comfortably and retire in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but to but to think bigger on that and to then to help people to be able to get them to the destination of where heaven is as well. So I think sometimes then people get that mixed up and go, oh, well, I'm just going to, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm going to live the right way and I'm going to be blessed mm-hmm. and I'm going to have riches and I'm going to and going, wait a minute, I think you're missing the whole gospel message with that. So while I'm not going to tear down, you know, uh, Jolstein's church or Cephal Dollar's church mm-hmm. or anything like that, I just think people need to read the entire gospel, what Jesus says about wealth and what Jesus says about riches and compare that to, to what's being said. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, so you mentioned earlier uh, culture and, and, there is also a trend in our culture, uh, a, a bit of a disdain for religion. You hear people say all the time, religion's cause of so much suffering in the world, so many wars. Uh, and, I mean, there have been a lot of wars waged in the name of religion. Of religion. Right? That's exactly uh, right. So what's the difference between being religious and being a Christian? Can you be one without the other? Uh, is, is there Are they synonymous? I'm I'm a Christian, therefore I'm religious, or I'm religious, uh, there you know makes me a Christian. Uh, those are, those are great you questions. Know, you even hear people when somebody will say something, and I know I've heard this in the workplace and elsewhere. Uh, somebody will say or do something, and you'll hear somebody say, "Oh, well, he's just very religious." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like uh, it's a it's a mental defect. Just ignore him. You that's know, right, that's uh, right. That's just why he, he's just religious. Let's he's just it, religious. Just let it go. <laughs> so yeah, it's so so yeah. How, how do those two uh, work? That's a great question. And the idea of what religion is, if you look at what that definition, religion is something that you do. And it's something that uh, you're, you're constantly, okay, if I, I have to follow this particular law, I have to follow this particular idea. And religion has this ultimate, you do this, you'll receive that. A relationship with Christianity, a relationship with Christ is it's already been done. What has to be done for our salvation has already been done by Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. So the huge difference is, is that now I'm not doing this to have a relationship with Christ. I'm not doing this in order to be religious. I've already, it's already been done for me. And because it's already been done for me, I want a relationship with Jesus. And the best way for me to have a relationship with Jesus is to listen to his heart. And his heart says, love God, love other people. That's what I'm doing. So Mm -hmm. my goal in life is not that I try to check off, hey, I've read my Bible. Hey, I've done this. Hey, I've uh, I've gone to church. You know, hey, I've uh, I've tithed. Hey, I've done this. And so now God owes me this, you know, and it's almost like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How could we stand at the cross of Jesus and look him at the eye and say, you owe me? Wow. And when he's already done it, he's done it all. And so I want a relationship with someone who has already done it all instead of having a religion of someone telling me, oops, someone telling me, you have to do this. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So my my belief in, in Christianity is we're walking this relationship with Christ in this journey, not because of something I have to do. It's because of something he's already done. Okay. So... There's also, uh, it seems to be this uh, acceptance uh, among some of our culture uh, 
so, so religion's bad, but then it's like, okay, well, some religions are good, but it's usually like the, 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 the mystic type religions, the uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, what makes Christianity different from those? Um, I think it could use very much the same kind of answer that I've just used. Uh, with Buddha, with Confucian, with with uh, um, with um, any kind of new age that brings everything mm-hmm. together, spiritualism, any kind of that nature that comes together, it's still a amount of you've got to do this in order for this to happen. Right. With karma, with Hinduism, with this whole idea of, well, I've done this something, I've done this bad, so now I have to do this good, mm-hmm. or otherwise, you know, I'm going to be reincarnated for something that's bad mm-hmm. and or something that's worse than human. And with this idea, it may, even Scientology, and you know, Scientology went through this great, uh, with through Hollywood until mm-hmm. finally some of the, the actors it's and coming actresses out a little bit now, yeah, right? have come out and go, no, this is totally wrong. It's mm-hmm. all about this doing. It's all about, and, and, and the hard part is, I think for a lot of people, and that tells me people are searching mm-hmm. for truth. They want truth. They want to understand. And, and don't ever be convinced that someone says, oh, they don't want to know the truth or they don't want to just want to feel good. Well, feeling good will last for a little bit. But then eventually when it comes down and they're alone, they want to know that they are loved, they are valued, and someone cared enough for them to, to see that they have a, have a purpose in life and a mission and a journey. And Christianity is incredible. Jesus Christ comes in and God just, he gives all of that Mm -hmm. willingly. Not you have to jump through these hoops, not that you have to jump over this hurdle, but he jumped the hoop, went through the hurdle himself when he, when his son went to the cross to Mm -hmm. die for us. And what's different is, um, you know, I've heard this where if you fall into a pit, you know, mm-hmm. um, one religion will walk by and go, well, you probably did something to deserve to fall <laughs> in that pit. Yeah. So get yourself out, you know. And someone says, well, along somebody else will come and do it, but I'll pray for you mm-hmm. and don't do anything. But a, a, a believer or a Christian would jump down into the pit and let that guy get on his shoulders and get him out of the pit and actually get down into the mess with, with him mm-hmm. and then be able to reach and then be able to come out because of Christ. The great thing about the word Messiah, it has the word mess in it. Yeah. And Jesus came into the mess as our Messiah to get us out of that mess. Okay. Uh, so in, in prepping for this, uh, this conversation, I did check out the church's website, and I saw on there you got your core beliefs listed. And one of them says that uh, when your core beliefs that marriage is between a man and a woman, does that mean gay people aren't welcome here? It's a great question because I could see where someone might might see that as if they're just reading our core beliefs and things of that nature. Um, no, that does not at all mean that gay people or uh, HG or QT um, LGBTQ plus the fluid mm-hmm. are not welcome here. Oh my goodness, we would love, and we do. We love people that will come, and and anybody. We love anybody who comes and is is walking through what they have held on as truth, what they have held on as their beliefs, and we want them. We want to come to them. We want to we want to build that relationship with them. No, what we done is because there's been so many different definitions mm-hmm. of marriage, because there's been so much hijacking of what marriage is, we want to make sure that when people come here, 
they understand that we buy the scriptural definition of the one who created marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you know, our our society, our culture has tried to redefine it because of, well, what married people get to have or what, mm-hmm. you know, that is not at all where we're going at. What we want to do is just say, here's the definition of what we believe, because we believe the Bible to be absolute truth. And so we'll walk through that. And so, oh, no. So please, oh, let no one, because we we want people to come. Oh, my gosh. And we want to go to them. And we want to go. It's not about them and us. It's about always about us. How can we help mm-hmm. each other journey or, or on our journey to Christ? Yeah. You know, and that was... Uh, and- Gay marriage—it's not much of a as much of a topic now as it was in the last couple of decades, but it's being hashed out. And you heard a lot of rhetoric about uh, we got we got to protect the institution of marriage. And uh, I, I always said, you know, which is more detrimental to to the institution of marriage? Two men who are in a long term relationship who love each other and want to somehow profess that publicly, or the the man and woman who go into marriage knowing this really isn't going to work out and within a couple of years we're going to be split up and and they do that repeatedly uh yeah i don't know i, I it's a tough one I, and there is i guess there's a difference between marriage in the eyes of god and marriage in the eyes of man or in the eyes of law so maybe that's the difference there but yeah. uh and i think that's huge because you know our culture says before what you know with I'm I'm hoping people don't get married just because they can get a better tax break, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> or you know that that you know because marriage is a high, you know it's it's basically saying you know we're gonna God sees His kingdom growing better because you two are together mm-hmm. than for you to be apart. Marriage is so much bigger than just two people's relationships, and it's so much bigger than identity. We, we, and again, I think we so much zero in on sexual identity and it's all about sexual identity, all mm-hmm. about sexual identity. But today, Brian, I'm telling you, scripture, it, it's bigger. It's, I, what's more important in my sexual identity is my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. That's what's important because of my sexual, my sexual identity does not get me into heaven, but my relationship right. with his son, Jesus Christ gets me into heaven. And I got to work through that, and I got to see that. And, and as powerful as God's word gives to me, then that's I choose my relationship with God over any sexual preference that I have. Okay, because it is, it is, it is who I choose to be Lord of my life that should dictate who my sexual preference is. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, it does. No, okay, it does perfectly, and and. And my comments, I didn't mean to sound like I'm like anti-divorce. Oh, no, no, no. stay no. married yeah, I regardless. I know. And, 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 no, I don't want to see anybody. You know, I, I was lucky. I chose right the first time. You know, uh, not not everybody's as fortunate, and no one should have to stay in a bad situation. But yeah. it, it's the, the ones who I, I, I've seen people take a very, I don't know, lackadaisical attitude or approach towards marriage. I agree. Marriage. I uh, do too. It's yeah. something we're going to do, and it, we know it's not going to work out. Yeah. We'll, we'll and that's something someday, That's so. something that we um, um, here at the church, if someone asks me to perform their wedding, uh, they have to commit to two or, or three counseling sessions mm-hmm. prior, and then I give them homework. And because so some, we've had people call, hey, we're looking for a minister. We're getting married this weekend. Yeah. Can you do it? 
No. Yeah. Can't. Yeah, not this weekend, right? <laughs> <laughs> After a cram session. Uh, uh, Christy and I, we had to do the same thing before yeah. we got married. We even had to make like, uh, even had to sit down and write out, you know, who's going to do, who's taking out the trash? Who's washing dishes? Who yeah. cuts the grass? You know, it's kind of things you don't really think about, right? Because we're young and we're in love. Right? That's right. We don't That's need, right. You know, trash take care of itself. You know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it did. It, 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 we had to do a budget and everything. And it just, it, it's a little bit of a reality check. It is. And you stop and think because you, you have a history of watching your parents. She has a history of watching her mm-hmm. parents. And now you're trying to get together and you're assuming you're bringing in these unspoken assumption roles into each other and having counseling prior to that helps those unspoken to become to light and so that you can speak about them. Okay. Well, that was quite the uh, string of, of heavy topics we just (laughs) ran through there. So that was pretty good, but let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, So here at North Madison Christian church, um, how are you involved in the community? What, what type of outreach programs? I came in this morning, I, I saw they were packing up a bunch of food out here in the, in the lobby. Uh, so I'm assuming that's going to be some food distribution program you've got going. Uh, yes. Every fourth Saturday mm-hmm. of the month, we um, uh, get, have a food giveaway. And it's where we have been able to reach out and touch 400 plus families in the surrounding area of where we're just loving on people and giving them food that will last, you know, hopefully two, three, maybe the four weeks mm-hmm. until the next month. Okay. And so what you saw there, they were packing up bags because those are for shut-ins because okay. we know some cannot make it here to the church. Right. And so we've got a list of people. And so we've got volunteers that will come and take those bags to the shut-ins there. It's an incredible ministry of just trying to meet needs, trying to love on people. And we'll pray with them. We'll ask them, how can we pray for them? Uh, when people come in and they kind of have a, a grocery shopping kind of experience, mm-hmm. they'll walk, they'll come in, you will go out and we'll see the table set up and all the food will be up and so that they can pick and choose mm-hmm. as they walk through. And then we're always asking, how can we pray for you? Hey, if you don't have a church, we'd love to see you be a part of mm-hmm. our church, you know, and just kind of a ministry in that way. Uh, we're just trying to, to, to make a difference in our community. Like okay. I said, one of the big things that one if our church would suddenly disappear, would there be a hole in our community? And my prayer is, is I hope there yeah. would be. Because we want to make a difference and be a light into a darkness. We want to have that good relationship with our city council. We want to have a good relationship with our government. We want to have a good relationship with our neighbors, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, that's one of the things we love about with King's Daughters Hospital being right across the street. We, we encourage them. You know, and, and we want we want to make a difference, and we're always looking for ways that we can do that in our community. Offering, you know, when the high school uh, had their auditorium uh, redone, remodeled, they we said, "Hey, come use our auditorium." Mm-hmm. So they had plays and musicals, and were able to do that in our auditorium, okay. which was great. And uh, we I remember they used to do the newspaper used to do a, a taste of homes or a taste mm-hmm. uh, food, t- and they brought it here, and so we. We had cooking show and all it was crazy oh, okay. to have all the women in there and they did a big tasting they had an overhead camera mm-hmm. and showed how to make all the food it was great we want when we built this facility we wanted this facility to be used not just on sundays but by the community throughout the we've had people uh basketball teams come in use our gymnasium for okay. practice maybe they didn't maybe they're they have a boys and girls and they couldn't get the right mm-hmm. practice they wanted so they brought the boys over to practice here so 
That's kind of what we want to do. We want to be uh, good neighbors. We want to love and allow people to see. Okay. We even have we even have the 4H uh, 4H beauty pageant here. Oh, I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, and just to just to say, hey, if you can use our facility, we want to be here. We want to love on you. We want to. We just want to encourage you to do that. That's neat. Uh, so, how did you guys navigate COVID? Were you were you shut down for a while for a period of time? Weren't were able to have in person services? Uh, yes, um, we did. We shut down. One of the things that we were blessed with, uh, Brian, is that we did have an online presence prior to COVID. Okay. So yeah. we did have a Facebook Live uh, presence. Um, so what we did, you know, when when the government came in, and goes, hey, we just need to, you know, we and. That was the question that we asked ourselves because uh, in our state, there was times where it says, you know, this isn't really for churches, for worship, they can do it. But we wanted to do not necessarily what was the right thing, but what was best, what was wise, because we wanted to be a good neighbor. We did not want to become a hotspot. We did not want to say, well, by law, we could do this. No, what's the best thing we could do? So we shut down. We did... Um, uh, online services and we tried to be very creative with them instead of me just standing mm-hmm. up there preaching I'd go to different spots around you know okay. and be you know so we did we we uh, we went to the Clifty Falls Park we went to uh, you know just had different places so that and we, we our Zach our worship leader would go and worship at different places and so we'd film them record mm-hmm. them put them all together and uh, but it was fun it was a hard work you yeah. know a lot of people say, oh, well, COVID must have really slowed you down. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> I, was, I think I was more tired during COVID doing ministry than because we also wanted to check up on our people. Right. How are yeah. you doing? What can we do? How can we help? You know, so but now we're seeing as people are coming back, we're seeing seeing things coming back and it's been a blessing. Okay, that's good. Uh, you mentioned Zach. So so what you're doing here with the, with your outreach programs and everything else, um, I mean, you can't do it alone. Right. So who are some of your, your key staff members? You mentioned Zach. You might want to introduce him. And, and Yep. Zach Shelton is our worship leader, worship pastor, and uh, just an incredible guy who has a heart for the Lord and is very talented, been able to get all of our people, get more people resource into the worship. Not only worship, but also tech, because there's a lot of behind the scenes mm-hmm. that people don't see. Who's running? Who's putting that up on the big screen? Who's doing the sound? Who's doing the lighting? How can we make sure the Facebook Live is engaging? So Zach is in, in charge of that. He's we've got a, we've hired a, a part-time guy, David um, McGuire. He also mm-hmm. helps, which is super. Uh, and Robbie King, who is our discipleship minister. Uh, when someone has said yes to Jesus, now how do I become like Jesus? How do I grow? Mm-hmm. And he's right on top with designing Discipleship University. Our community community groups because people want to get connected. Uh, you know, as mm-hmm. we grow larger, we have to grow smaller at the same time so okay. that people can grow. Uh, you know, it's one thing to grow in a large community, mm-hmm. but we also, we know life happens together. So let's shrink it down. It's very biblical. They met in the temple courts and they mm-hmm. also met in people's homes. Right. So that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, so Robbie does a great job. Uh, Bry Welty is our junior senior high youth guy and does a phenomenal job. I don't know where he has the time to do everything he does because <laughs> part owner of uh, Lida Welty Funeral Homes mm-hmm. and uh, just a inc- 
incredible. The kids love him. Uh, Jacob uh, Horn is our children's minister and does an incredible job of, of outreach and working with our kids. Uh, he's also on our uh, church camp board. So I know church weeks are coming up here pretty soon mm-hmm. in the summer. Uh, we have Case, uh, Cassie Hodge. She, she's in uh, over our, young, our infants, you know, okay. our in, um, wow. from nursery all the way up to like three, four years old. Mm-hmm. And she does a phenomenal job during our services and anything beyond. And she's, she's doing some, she's brought some, some incredible ideas and some thoughts as we are moving in that mm-hmm. direction. Uh, Kelly Combs, our church secretary does a phenomenal job of making sure I'm scheduled right. right. And I'm not overscheduled yeah. and does a great job. Uh, Sydney, uh, uh, Wilson, who, who works as a secretary with Robbie does a great job of making sure our website is up to date, making sure, uh, disciple university is running good. Uh, and just does an incredible job. And I don't want to miss anyone. I know yeah, we got put you on the spot. I, you yeah. did. I know. And I don't even have them in front of me, but, um, there's oh Mickey Mickey uh, Neal helps us in our facility does an incredible job of making sure that everything is clean and things but even Brian even with all this staff and these pastors even with them it's incredible it's just incredible how many volunteers that mm-hmm. people are plugged in to make sure things are happening you know like this food giveaway it's all volunteer run. You know, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, our elders do an incredible job of just loving on people and helping us to lead. What's our next decision? What's our next process of where we're going? And just they do a great job of of just supporting us as pastors and Mm -hmm. staff and and encouraging us to to accomplish the things. We have an intern this summer, uh, which is pretty cool. He's helping out with the tech department and things like that. So uh, he's yet to bring me a cup of coffee, but I'm working (laughs) on it. <laughs> he didn't read his job description. Uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, uh, but but Caleb Phillips, he's 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 going to be good. He's going to be good. But it's it's true, Brian. I, where I am, I I couldn't be where I am right now without the, without the our staff. Yeah, just could not do it. Okay. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Rusty Bladen, and uh, one of the things we discussed was his songwriting process and how he approaches that and what he does. Uh, so similar to that, how, how do you, how do you go about writing your sermons? Uh, like when you do a sermon series, do you have them all written before you even start delivering the first one? I wish. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're winging it then. I was wondering. When, uh, when we sit down and we try to do this, I sit down with Zach and our worship team and because I want to make sure that we're on the same page, uh, with music, with, uh, mm-hmm. if we're going to do a video, if we're going to do, uh, some, uh, idea because we want to create an environment where people want to learn. And, you know, the old adage is you can't, uh, if you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, Mm -hmm. but you can make him thirsty. Mm-hmm. And so my goal is, as we bring Christians in and we worship in those people who are non-Christians and, and are just new Christians, as they come in, while I can't make them read Scripture, I want to create an environment where they want to read Scripture. And it's it's sort of like Disneyland. You know, mm-hmm. Disneyland is supposed to be the happiest place on earth. Right. And right. so what do they do? They create an environment to be happy. Vegas, mm-hmm. you know, is a gambling, you know, they can't, Vegas doesn't make you 
gamble. Right. Disney doesn't make you happy, but boy, they create an environment where you yeah. want to. Yeah. And I'm thinking the church, you know, we should be in an environment where people may not, they're, they're, they're asking questions, they're trying to desire, but I want to create an environment where people want to dive into God's word and find out what God's truth is about. And so as I sit down and I think about series, I pray about, okay, Lord, in this year, in six, the next six months, what is it? How is it? Looking at culture, looking at what's going on. How do we dive into your word? What do you want to say to us? What do you, you know, help me be be um, soft enough to hear what the culture says and be able to be deep enough in the truth to be able to share what is 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 in your word mm -hmm. and so as we dive through those series we begin to to look at those big topics and one of the things you know a lot of people said was really helped me out andy stanley who's a preacher there at north point in, in uh, georgia uh, he says you know a lot of people try to say way too much in a, one sermon yeah. and you've got you come away and you go Okay, I said way too much. I don't know what it, I don't even know where to begin. And he said, "Why don't you pull back and make that one sermon, three or four sermons and just hit one of those mm -hmm. points and really walk through it, ask yourself questions, you know, kind of dive into it, own it." And so that opened my mind to go, "I need to start doing that." And so that's kind of where the birth process of series started with me. Okay. And just kind of diving in and looking at how can I best not try to heap all kinds of knowledge? Because knowledge is not what's going to save us. Mm -hmm. A relationship with Christ is going to save us. And so as we have a relationship, that knowledge needs to be applicable. How do I apply what I'm learning? Mm -hmm. And so part of that sermon-making process is how does this apply to me? How does this happen? You know, mm -hmm. I, this past week, you know, I talked about taking thoughts captive, you know, mm -hmm. and how sometimes they just come right on through. And <laughs> I told a, told a story on myself, you know, we're talking about kayaking and, and I'm thinking, you know, Hey, that will help uh, couples grow, <laughs> you know? And, and I'm thinking, okay, staff is talking about all their experiences of kayaking. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know, two people on, or a person on a board and they're standing up and they're, they're using a paddle to move. And, and so in my head, I'm not, I didn't say paddle boarding, which is what it is. Mm -hmm. What did I say? I said, I looked at, I looked at Mickey and I said, you know what your couple, you know what you and your wife should be doing? They should be waterboarding, <laughs> waterboarding. <laughs> what? But, but I, you know, so how many times have you said something and you're like, why did I say that? Yeah. A lot. You know? And so here we have an opportunity. I want to make it biblical truth, but I want to make it very applicable so that when people walk out, they go, man, you know, that made me think, and now I'm going to change. So that's the process. And what I do is, is give Zach and the worship team about three to six months of what we're going to be talking about. Oh, you're that far out. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I, I say, here's, here's the topics, here's the themes, here's kind of the scripture kind of going with it. Uh, and then what I'll do is get and involved into one series mm -hmm. and then start diving into how I break that up into three, four weeks, five weeks. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, that's when I'll have another meeting with Zach and go, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Is there a song? Is there a video? Mm -hmm. And then about a week and a half out, 
I dive in to get the the the, the crux of it, the outline of it. Mm-hmm. Get that to Zach so he can go. There's keywords in these verses, or there's keywords in these thoughts that will go right along with his sermon or this song. And then uh, by uh, Wednesday or Thursday of the week prior, I have it all manuscripted out exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, and then I hand that manuscript to our computer guys who mm-hmm. then can put it into the uh, computer, get it ready for Sunday. And so then uh, by then that Sunday, I'm ready to preach it. Okay. Have you ever bombed? You ever just oh, had yeah. one you thought was going to be great <laughs> and it just went over like a lead balloon? Thought, I'm going to kill this. Everybody's coming home this weekend, and now uh, everybody. <laughs> yes, I have, and I'm like, you know, here's a great idea, and here's the thought, and even with jokes, you know, first service, <laughs> first service, I threw out a joke the other, the other a couple of Sundays ago, I threw out a joke, and man. Brian, it was a lead balloon. I mean, there was nothing crickets, and I just, I just said out loud, "Well, I'm not going to do that with second <laughs> service." <laughs> learn from your mistakes and move on. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, there are times I'm like, "Man, that did not come out right," or "How could I do that better?" I wish I had that time over. Mm-hmm. I would have said it diff- differently. But yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 nerve wracking when you put yourself out there too, right? Yeah, and that happens exactly. Sure. I mean, there's vulnerability. You know, uh, Babe Ruth. How many times did he strike out yeah. compared to how many times he hit a home run? Yeah. So I mean, at least uh, you know. And and the great thing about you know, as as I study and as I prepare and as I present, one of the greatest things that I've learned is that the Holy Spirit can take what is being said and craft it in such a way that it's touching someone's heart. Because I've had people, this is crazy, Brian, I've had people walk out and go, man, you know, when you said this, mm-hmm. that literally helped me go through that. And and for the life of me, Brian, I don't remember saying it. Wow. I'll go so. back and I'll look at it <laughs> and I'm going, you know, but again, that's where yeah. the Holy Spirit can really work. And then the piece that you thought was going to just nail it. It just like it just went right over flat. Yeah. 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 It's just like, what's yeah. he talking about? <laughs> Uh, we're going a little long here, but Sorry. if you got a few more minutes, uh, sure. just, just a couple more questions yeah. would be great. Uh, you can always edit, right? Yeah. We'll <laughs> some of this jabber. So. Um, so if you weren't doing this, uh, what would you be doing? I, I guess you talked earlier about being a pilot. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that what you think you'd, the route you'd That's pursue? That's a great or? question because I've got, you know, you, you I love a lot of different things mm-hmm. and, you know, to key in some things. And I think that's probably allowed me to, to use some different things in my life. I, you know, being a pilot, you know, is one, but I've seen, and I've talked to pilots, I've talked to pilots' mm-hmm. wives yeah. and, you know, where it's not necessarily the best Mm-hmm. kind of lifestyle because yeah. of how many days a month they're gone. Yeah. And, and while it seemed glamorous, you know, so I, I don't know if I would go there. I think God saved me from going down right. that. And, and I thank God for all the pilots. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think it's awesome. Uh, and the, and the, and the stewardesses and, and those, I think they're called still stewardesses. Flight not flight attendants. Nowadays. There you yeah. go. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Showing uh, your age again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the flight attendants and, and the ones that make it happen, you know, um, God's got a special thing for them. Um, 
But as I walk through this, yeah, if God didn't get a hold of me to do that, I probably would be a pilot. Uh, but then, uh, you know, I love I love officiating. I love being in sports. Mm-hmm. I love, um, and I know this is probably something that a lot of people don't know. I also do magic and illusions. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I would do, I may I may go down to, to a restaurant and go over to Harry's and say, hey, Harry, you know, have you ever thought about having some, some table magic while mm-hmm. people wait for their food? <laughs> you know, I will be your guy. <laughs> Yeah. So it's great. I mean, because Kim and I, when we, when I was a youth minister in Cincinnati, no kidding, when I was a youth minister in Cincinnati, we decided to go on a vacation and we paid our vacation by going from church to church camp doing magic shows. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh. And that paid for our vacation in Gatlinburg. That's pretty cool. So, but that did teach me, I don't want to do that full time. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> a tough gig. Yeah. So, uh, so we talked a lot about, uh, your past, the church's past, uh, but let's talk about the future. So where do you see yourself and North Madison Christian Church in five years, 10 years, 20 years? Great question, because um, one of the big things that I see that even through COVID, um, I believe God allowed this virus to come in. In fact, this is my new series starting not next this Sunday, but on, on um, May 30th, is that God allowed this for us to kind of do a, a restart, for us to kind of think about the direction of our lives. Um, if you could look at it even as a computer where you have to reboot, mm-hmm. maybe you've got a virus, maybe your computer froze. What do you do? You push control, alt, delete, mm-hmm. right? So there are some things when you restart because our country's starting to open back up because things are starting to, to get back to what would some would be called normal, but I don't think we'll ever get back to normal. Mm-hmm. And so I think God has allowed us to stop and think, what are some things that I definitely want to see that I still do, that are in my control. But what are some things that I would do differently, that I would alternate, you know, that that alter kind of thing? And then what are some things I would totally delete? I'm not going to restart because now I'm back. Okay. You know, so as I look at that in my life, what is what do I want that to happen in my life? What do I want to see come back and go, I really want to do that. I want better control over it. Um, there are some things that I don't want to do the same way, mm-hmm. so I'm going to alternate those. And then there are some things I don't want to start back, right. so I'm just going to totally delete them. Mm-hmm. What will that look like even in the church? What are some things that we need to delete that weren't at all part of the kingdom of God? What are some things that are just kind of frivolous, that are just, we just are, are, are more or less um, taking time from mm-hmm. the staff, taking time from uh, believers? What are some things we just need to hit the delete button and then move on? What are some things that we need to maybe alter? Mm-hmm. Things that maybe we did, but we can do a whole lot better. Right. And then what are some things we want to make sure we're continuing to do? And one of the things that, that I really want our church to realize and to understand that we have a mission that's bigger than just Madison, Indiana. Okay. We have a mission that's bigger than the state of Indiana. We have a mission that's bigger than the United States. Mm-hmm. We have a mission that we're, that we're given by God for the world, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what he said in Acts one eight. He says, "I want you to be my witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the world." Mm-hmm. And he uses that word "and," not "then," because a lot of people think, "Well, first of all, we'll do this. Once we got that done, then we'll do this." Hmm, it's not then. 
and it's and. Mm -hmm. So we should be doing this simultaneously, not sequentially. Okay. So what are we doing to make sure, and we got a great missions team, don't get me wrong, what are we doing to make sure we're doing this worldwide? Because I think, as you well know and as you've seen it, we are moving, heading toward her closer and closer every day mm -hmm. to the return of Jesus. And so are we getting our people ready for that and then discipling them to be disciple makers as well. So in the next five years, I see some ex incredible, exciting times mm -hmm. for North Madison. Awesome. I just see some, some powerful truths that are going to continue and a light maybe be lit underneath those who have may just been sitting or may just been viewing from a distance, but now are ready to say, I'm getting out of the bleachers and onto the field. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be part of the team and I want to make a difference. That's good. Um, so hopefully people have enjoyed this conversation and, and for those who want to learn more, how can they contact you? How can they find out more about uh, North Madison Christian Church, website, social media? Great, like yes. Uh, you can come to our website at uh, northmadison.cc, or you can contact me by email, bobhicks at northmadison.cc. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have a Facebook page, uh, which is North Madison Christian Church. Uh, you can come to our Facebook page. But most of all, I'd encourage you to come to one of our services okay. on Sunday. Check us out. We'd love. Or you can call the church. You know, I'd love to set up a time, talk with you. 812-273-1601. Uh, would love to... to would love to partner with you on your next step in your journey of becoming the person that Christ wants you to become. Okay. I'll get the uh, links to all that and include it in the show notes. And, awesome. Uh, and also your email address and your phone number, if you don't mind. We'll I don't mind that. at all. And then uh, people have that information. So that's really all I got, Bob. I mean, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to add anything you were hoping we'd get to that i didn't bring up uh, no i think you covered a lot brian and, and we did I, and cover a lot of you covered a lot and this is probably a lot probably people are going to say well, i want to do this listen to this in segments but i appreciate the opportunity for allowing me to come and, and speak and i just enjoy enjoy being this and you know a big thing that that i teach our people and that i want our everyone to understand is that you know god just wants us to love him and love other people and if we could do those two things so much there'd be a huge difference in, in the relationships with people hard to argue with I appreciate that thanks for your time and uh, take care of yourself God bless right. see you later